Bible. Look at, look at chapter number two, verse number 10. It says, when wisdom entereth into thy heart and knowledge is pleasant to thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things, who leave the path of upright, uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they forward, forward in their path. To deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgive, forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death and her pass unto the dead. None that go unto her return again. Read that, none. None. I'll preach it all, none. I'll make it, none. So that's a very serious statement. There none that go unto her return again. Neither take they hold of the paths of life. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men and, keepeth, and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again tonight, Lord, just for another opportunity, Lord, to come together, Lord, to fellowship, Lord, to talk one with another. God, catch up on what's going on in each other's lives, Lord. But, Lord, that's not why we came, Lord. That's not the only reason why we came, Lord. We didn't come to be a social club, God. We didn't come just to catch up. Lord, we came to hear from heaven tonight. Lord, we came to open up your word. And Lord, let it speak to our hearts tonight. Lord, give us wisdom, Lord. That's been our cry these past few weeks, Lord. And really, it's a cry, Lord, that we ought never get away from, Lord. It's a cry that we're gonna need every day of our Christian life. Lord, we need wisdom. Lord, we need it more now than we ever did before. Lord, we're living in a wicked world. Lord, we're living in, 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 in horrible times. Lord, we're living, Lord, in hard times. Lord, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made, a lot of choices that have to be made, Lord. And we need wisdom to make the right ones, make the ones that bring glory and honor to your name, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, tonight, Lord, as we continue to search your wisdom, uh, the, the thought of it and the theme of it, Lord, would it just come alive to us tonight, Lord. And we glean from it again tonight, Lord, like we have these past few weeks. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. Lord, work in the hearts and lives of your people, Lord. And we'll be grateful and we'll be thankful, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. Now we've, we've tackled this subject of Proverbs and, and wisdom and walking in wisdom these past few weeks. Now we're, we're going to complete chapter number two tonight. We've got the, the other 31 left or whatever, 31 minus two is 29 left to do. But we, we've already got a great uh, understanding and a great illustration, a great instruction on wisdom and introduction. We've already learned the source of it. The Proverbs 1, 7 tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We understand where wisdom comes from. There isn't but one real source of wisdom, and that is the Lord. It starts there, and that is when we recognize the only real source, we'll quit going everywhere else trying to look for it. When you, own, when you have the real thing, it, it, like in my life, there was a time in my life where I didn't like mayonnaise. I just didn't like it. I, I thought it was terrible. I thought it was disgusting. And then somebody let me try Duke's. And it changed my life. Now I will not get mayonnaise from anywhere else. Don't give me no Miracle Whip. I don't know what that is, but it ain't mayonnaise. Give me the real thing, amen. Give me some Dukes and, and, and put it on anything. And it'll be good tonight. But we understand tonight that there's only one real source of wisdom. And when we, when we, when we learn that and then we see it in action in our life, we won't want anything else. Because we'll know what we, really ha what we have is real. 
And so we learn the, real, the source of wisdom. We, we've seen how we, could, how we should pursue, pursue it or go after it. Proverbs 2, 4 tells us that. If thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as, as hid Trevor, not a simple glance, not a, not a quick look over, not a, not, a, not a skim over for wisdom, but rather a, a great endeavor, a great exploration that I'm gonna dig and dig and dig and dig and just see how far wisdom really goes and how it applies in my life, we, we've seen how we should pursue it. We've seen the seriousness of wisdom already in these first two chapters of Proverbs. Proverbs one twenty three. turn at my reproof, behold, excuse me, uh, Proverbs one thirty one. therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way. Right, he says, you can, you can do it your own way. You don't have to take my wisdom. I, God said, I'll give it to you. I'm the great source of it, but you don't have to apply it. You don't have to listen to it. You don't have to walk in it. You can do it your own way. But the Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto man. And the rest of the verse says, but the end thereof is death. And so we can do it our way. Just mark it down, write it however you want to write it. Now, if I'm doing things my way and not the Lord's way, the only expectation I can really have is for that thing to die, for that thing to fall apart. And so we see the seriousness of wisdom already. We've seen the splendor of wisdom Proverbs 1.23, turn at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. Now, that's what we all want, right? We want God's spirit poured out on us. It's tied directly to wisdom. In essence, if you're gonna experience that, you need wisdom. You can have it. As we wrap up chapter number two, we will get a glimpse of the practical working of wisdom, right? We, we, we know the source of it. We, we know the, the, the splendor of it. We know the seriousness of it. But what does wisdom look like in a practical sense? What is that, how does that play out in our life? What's the immediate results and realities of one who, who searches it, seeks it, God grants it, and now I've taken it and I'm applying it to my life. And, I, and I'm allowing God's wisdom to guide me and direct me. What does that look like? And oftentimes when we think of, Think of somebody who's wise, right? Somebody who's got great wisdom. We think of some sacred old sage sitting in a, in a great big room and all the walls have books and they've read everything and they, they're sitting at a, in this one of those big chairs and you walk in and they, they kind of do their, I'm so, I've been waiting on you. And you say, I, I need, I've got a problem and I, I, need, I need help with this. And I, I need a solution. And they give you some kind of uh, quim or they give you some kind of uh, cliche. And you're saying, I've got all this going on in my life. And they look at you and they say, well, don't put all your eggs into one basket. Right? It's this and that. We look at someone, oh, they must be wise because they can speak in such terms, in such ways, like they're a human fortune cookie. That's not, what, that's not the result of wisdom, right? Because how do you apply that? I understand you could probably sit down and figure that out. But wisdom, God's wisdom doesn't speak to you in code and speak to you in, 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 in secret in the, and you gotta, you gotta figure it all out on yourself. But rather wisdom says, here's how God wants you to do it. Now go do that. Apply it in your life. Do what, what I've told you to do. And the best way I can illustrate it is that wisdom is something that, that once you, you get it, there's a practical application. In essence, you can put it to use and it'll actually work. Right, you could walk around all day thinking, well, what in the world am I supposed to do? I ain't got no eggs. You seen the price on them things lately? But here's, here's, here's a good illustration. When I was in high school, I played soccer, and my soccer coach for, for two of the years, I think, yeah, two of the years, was a Jamaican man by the name of Silburn Pitter. I called him Mr. Pitter. He was our automotive teacher in high school, but he was from Jamaica. 
And he had come over to America when he was a young man. All, all that kind of made a success of himself. But the man loved soccer, right? And so he was our soccer coach and he had that thick Jamaican accent. And we'd be out practicing and, and he, would, he would stop us and, and he would just say things, right? That in the essence didn't make sense in the moment, but when you applied it, he said, oh, I know what he means. But I remember all the time he'd say, Mr. Tayton, Mr. Tayton. We had a boy that we actually nicknamed him Banana just so our coach would say banana in a Jamaican accent. Banana. But he'd say, Mr. Tayton, Mr. Tayton, the ball is round. It can bounce anywhere. What he was saying was, you can't just wait for the ball to come to you. You gotta go where the ball is. You gotta run to it. I, I can put it into practice. But then he said that also applies in life. He said, if you're just gonna wait for everybody to hand you something, you ain't gonna do nothing. The ball is round, it'll bounce anywhere. You gotta be prepared and ready to go. And when it comes to God's wisdom, right, it is not some, some mysterious statement that we, we, we are confused over and we struggle with, but rather it is God taking his word that, that it is clearly written to us. And he said, all right, this is what this looks like in your life. And we're gonna see that tonight, that there's some practical applications of wisdom this evening right here in chapter number two, the latter half of it that we've already read tonight. Wisdom doesn't make us old sages, but rather it helps us prepare for the, and navigate the dangers. How do you know that? Well, look at verse number 11. Look at verse number 11. Now, discretion shall preserve thee. Excuse me, understanding shall keep thee. That word discretion gives the understanding of a plan. And when you take wisdom and your God gives you wisdom, now you have a plan. You have a plan that'll work. You'll have a plan that God has outlined for you. And so we'll see here tonight that there's some immediate workings in this plan of wisdom. Every Christian can see the results of wisdom by being embraced, by analyzing the following examples. I've only got two points for you tonight, and uh, they're, they're, they're not, I wouldn't say they're short ones. I've been told I, I, to preach for 25 minutes tomorrow. Here's it. When I first started preaching, that seemed like an impossibility to even preach that long. And now that I've been preaching over four years now consistently week after week, man, it's hard to fit everything into 25 minutes. So y'all pray for me uh, tomorrow that I'd be able to say everything I need to say and be able to say it in 25 minutes or less. Look at number one. Here's one of the immediate results of wisdom, the protection of wisdom. Verses 12 through nine, we're introduced to two characters uh, in, our, in, in Proverbs, and once again, uh, they are, there are these human qualities given to these people, and they're not spe specifically talking about one specific person, but rather they are, these are all people you and I at some point in our life, if we haven't already, will meet. And they'll come into our lives, and they'll be, they'll be a part of our life if we don't deal with them in the right way. That they will, will allow them in more than what they're supposed to be. But we see the protection of wisdom. I was growing up, my dad would always say things like this or I'd hear things like this, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. Or he'd say things like this, you are, you are who you hang out with. And I remember thinking, uh-uh, I'm my own person. I am Mr. Individuality, right? Ain't nobody gonna influence me. But he was right. The same is true in your life. You, in the beginning, you might not think so, right? You might not think, well, me hanging out with them and them hanging out with me, they really don't influence me. But the truth of the matter is they do. I can't tell you how many times we, I, I've heard it said or, or told to me, well, preacher, I'm gonna go down there and I'm gonna influence them for Jesus and I'm gonna, and I, I'm gonna bring them to the Lord and I, I'm gonna be a great shining example to them. And, and it always seems like that's how it starts off 
but it never ends that way. Right, listen, we ought to, I understand you got work and things. I'm not saying go in there and, and shut the door and, and don't talk to nobody and, and, and be a, a mean mugger and don't, don't be kind and courteous and all those kind of things. But we're talking about two specific kind of people here. One's the evil man and the other's the strange woman. And so we'll see here tonight that when wisdom enters in, we are almost immediately warned about two, these two kind of people. The evil man, look at verses 12 through 15. The Bible said, to deliver thee, wisdom, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things, who leave the paths of a brightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they are froward in their path. Now notice here this evening, it isn't necessarily so much a deliverance from the evil man, but from the evil man's way. Right, in essence, you're gonna follow after him. You think about this, when we, we think about the caricature or, a, or if you think about what does an evil villain look like to you, right? We've all either read comic books, we've watched movies, we've, we've been influenced one way or another, but when we say evil villain, typically it's somebody who's wanting to try to take over the world or try to take control of a certain thing so they can do it their way, right? They're, they are upset, they're mad, they're jaded, something like that, and so they're gonna do it their own way. Way they are driven and controlled by pride. And what we'll see here tonight that the evil man here he's driven by the same thing. He's driven by pride. He is he is controlled by pride. And the Bible warns us to steer clear of the evil man, to steer clear of the prideful man, the arrogant man, the man who thinks he can do it all by himself. Well, preacher, I don't want to go nowhere near that. Well, neither do I tonight. And thankfully, God's word tells us some characteristics of what this man looks like and what this man is doing. He's not, I'm not going to say he's six foot tall, brown hair and blue eyed. But rather, here's some qualities about him. Notice this, he purposely or on purpose left the right path. Look at verse number 13. Tonight, who leave the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. In essence, he knows what is right. He, he knows what is true. He knows what is upright. But he said, I don't want to do that no more. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to go down the path of darkness. I'm going to do that which I know to be wrong. And here's the thing. If you talk to the evil man, he's got a good reason why he's doing it. He's got a good excuse. He's got a good reason to why he has left the upright path and now is on the path of darkness. He don't mind sharing that reason with you too. Well, I tell you what, I don't need that preacher telling me what to do no more. <laughs> I'm, I'm sick and tired of, uh, of having to do all that things that I got to do. As a, I'm done with that. Right? And they, they leave that which they know to be right for the past of darkness. Now, I think there's a difference between this man and a backslider. Right? Because as a born again child of God, who the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, when you and I backslide, when you and I head in the wrong direction, we head that way with Holy Ghost conviction, right? We try, we try to go to back who we, used, who we used to be, right? We, we try to go and do the things that we used to do, and we might do them, we just no longer enjoy them like we used to. Because the Holy Ghost says, uh, you don't need that no more. And so one of the, one of the most uh, downtrodden, miserable people you'll find is a Christian who's trying trying to sell you the fact that they are happy and content in their backslidden state. They have to tell themselves over and over and over again. I was 
heard somebody this week say that concerning about the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and they said, well, it doesn't really matter. As long as I keep doing it, it the conviction will get less and less. I said, that's not the attitude to have. I don't, I don't want to be that way. I, I don't want to go down that road. I don't want to live my life by my own means and by my own power and by my own strength because I know that's not the right way to do it. And so we see this evil man, he purposefully left the right path. Verse number 14, it just gets worse. I, I wish I could say, well, when we get to the end of this, the evil man, he gets everything right and he's fixed and the strange woman gets everything figured out and everything's wonderful. But the longer you, you linger around these people, the longer you allow these people to linger in your life, so to speak, or this, this spirit or this attitude or this mindset, it doesn't get any better. Now, there's only one way to deal with these things in our life. That's the repentance, getting things right with God. And so he personally left the right path. But notice verse number 14, he enjoys his evil actions. Look at verse number 14. Who rejoice to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked. Enjoys it. Enjoys to do evil. That word delight means to be glad. That word rejoiceful means to be gleeful, as if he's glad and giddy about what he's doing. In essence, he, he, it does not bother him. Matter of fact, it excites him to do that which he knows, knows is wrong and he knows isn't right. He knows it not, it's not just wrong, but it's evil, right? There's this, this thought behind it. It's more than just wrong. It is very, very, very wrong, but they're excited about it. Boy, that's the day and age we live in, isn't it? Don't you go around telling me what to do. I, I enjoy that. It's amazing how the cry of our culture is, is not, it's no longer just to do what makes you feel good. It is to do what makes you feel good and not to expect anybody else to say anything about it. Right? And I understand that there are some out there who probably take the wrong stance toward, probably take the wrong uh, street towards dealing with these things the wrong way. But the reality is when we and I stand out on truth, I don't know about you, I don't do it with a prideful heart. I'm not trying to prove my, my, my understanding and my education over people. I just know what it's like to be a Christian. I know what it's like to have real joy and real liberty. And I, I know that those things that people claim to bring happiness and joy in their life doesn't do that. Why? Because my sin never brought that to me in my life. And it still doesn't do that. Right, and so we realize tonight that, but this evil man, he, he enjoys it. He does it with a smile on his face. There is a lack of conviction there. But then notice verse number 15, his path is crooked. His path is crooked. Whose ways are crooked, and they forward in their paths. Now, preacher, what does that mean? What, what, what can we learn from that? Is that this fella... If you linger around, you allow him to linger and you begin to go after him and, and pursue his company, you're gonna have a hard time keeping up with him. His paths are crooked. He's bouncing from one way into the next, from one place to the next. See, this doesn't satisfy, so now I've gotta go here and this doesn't satisfy, now I gotta go here and it's gonna be hard to follow. It's gonna be hard to linger with. In essence, you're gonna have to, in essence, you're gonna have to follow him, bounce from one thing to the next and one thing to the next and one thing to the next. And his path is hard to find. He's constantly changing. He's unstable. Matter of fact, the Bible says a man, a double-minded, double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You can't follow that. Right? In essence, you, why, why is that important? Think about us as Christians, right? We are followers of Christ, right? And he is a, a perfect example. 
And he says, here I am, follow me. That's what, he, that's what he told those boys on the fishing boat that one day. Drop your nets and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. I guarantee you, ask the evil man 10 years from now, what can you promise me? He said, I don't know. I guess we'll figure that out when we get here, when we get there. And Jesus said, listen, follow me, and I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. It's clear, you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. The Bible tells us that, that it, 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 it's hard to follow an evil man because they're crooked. Their ways are they're bouncing from one thing to the next. And even when it comes to the Christian life, we say, well, preacher, the Christian life is confusing. And I understand what we, what we mean by that. Right? We don't always know what to do in the moment, what to say, or how to deal with a certain situation. But in reality is the Christian life is a straight shot. Right? It is a straight shot. Well, how do you know that? Well, here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter number seven, verse number 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate. Well, it's a straight gate. There ain't but one way in. Amen. Imagine if you came into church and we had 16 gates out there. He said, figure it out. Right? I'd be, it'd be like COVID all over again. I'd be preaching to an empty church. <laughs> I'd probably be out there because I'd probably wouldn't figure out how to get in here. But Jesus said, hey, it's a straight gate, but one gate into heaven tonight. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said right here, straight is the gate in verse number 13. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Why has it got to be broad? Why has it got to be wide? Because he's, his paths are crooked. Right, it's going from one, it's from one extreme to the next. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go, go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth to life, and few be there that find it. And so we understand tonight that the Bible tells us that the Christian life is, is a straight shot, right? It is, it is you and I following the Lord, allowing the Lord to guide us, and he, we have an expected end. Right, if you're truly saved by the grace of God. If, you've, if you have Bible reasons as to why you know that you're saved tonight, you know where you're gonna end up. Right, that's why we can comfort families when their loved ones pass away, when they have a clear, solid testimony of salvation. We know where they are. Not because we have a spooky feeling and we have goosebumps, but because Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I told you. And so we understand that the, 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 the dangers of an evil man is that he will get off of a straight path, so to speak. Not that you wouldn't end up in heaven, but you get off of what the, the path that God desires for you to bounce all around. From one thing to the next and one thing to the next and one thing to the next. So the Bible warns us that when we take wisdom in or tells us when we take wisdom in, we'll begin to observe and say, that's an evil man. I have no business being around them. I have no business following them. I need to stay away from them, the evil man. But then verses 16 and 19, we got the strange woman. The strange woman. If you live off Peach Orchard Road, you got the strange woman. <laughs> the strange woman. Now, when we take that word strange, we think of something that's odd, right? There's, there's some people that I would classify as strange, but they're not this woman, right? They're, they are not who the Bible describes. They're just odd. They're peculiar they're different. They, they do things different from how I would do them. And I well, that's just strange. But I'm pretty sure there's some things that I do. People say, boy, that, that preacher, he's sure is strange. He's odd. And that's, that's why I'm excited about tomorrow, amen. I'm going to be in a room full of preachers. They're going to say, that fella right there, <laughs> he's missing something. <laughs> he, ain't, he ain't complete. He's a few fries short of a happy meal. But the strange woman, when, when we look at this, this word, it means it carries a heavy tone to it. It carries a, a significant weight to it. He's not just talking about an odd woman or someone who is somewhat different. They, they do things a little bit different. That word means a foreigner, right? A, and it carries a, of a harlot. 
somebody who is who has gone against the, the, the instructions of God and either they're either playing the role of a harlot or they are a harlot. Well, what's the difference there, preacher? Well, playing the role means someone who is married who is now committing adultery. They're playing the role of a harlot. Now, a harlot is somebody who's never been married who's actively participating in fornication. And so they're either one of the two there. And so we see here tonight that this person, they're not, not, they're not just strange, but they're, they, they, this woman, is she's not concerned one about doing what is right, but she's also not really concerned about who she draws in, right? Well, who's she concerned about herself? What can I get for myself? So we see here tonight, the evil man and the strange woman, they both have the same similar characteristic. All they care about is himself. Me, my, I. That's all that I want. But we see, well, how, how do you identify a strange woman? I'm not saying go outside and try to find someone who's, Outfit is just awkward. <laughs> I seen a lady this week and her, her pant design matched her hair design. It was the weirdest thing. It was strange. It was odd. <laughs> and, uh, but we see her tonight. Well, you can identify the strange woman. If I notice this, she operates through flattery. Look at, verses six, look at verse number 16. Goes to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the strangers which flatter with her words. Well, preacher, who's a strange woman? I'm not, I'm not saying it may just be a woman in your life, but it'll be somebody in your life who all they ever do is flatter you. I'm not talking about compliments. I'm not talking about being an encouragement to you, but all they ever do is tell you what you want to hear. Right? And, and somehow we're, in human nature, we're drawn to that. Somebody who flatters me. One of the, the men that I was reading behind who's written a few books on Proverbs, he said this, that flattery is not a form of communication but rather it's a form of manipulation. And the truth of the matter is tonight when there's people in our lives who, who <laughs> it's obvious to you and it should be obvious to them, there's some issues that you need to be worked on, but all they do is tell you, oh, you're just so wonderful. You're just the best thing since sliced bread. Well, you're, you're this, you're that, and the other, and there's no real, no real truth behind it. They're just flattering you. Right, and they're just, they're just trying to manipulate you. They only tell you what you want to hear. And here's the thing, this evening when it comes to you in our life, I'm not saying they're gonna come up to you and they're gonna say, man, you are the best looking person I've ever seen. But they'll say things like this, you know, you really don't have to go to church every time the doors are open. I mean, you do pretty good by yourself. You know, you, you, you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to give that money in the offering plate. You don't have to do this and do that or do this and do that. They're flattering you. They're drawing you away from the things that you know you ought to do, the things that you should already be doing. And so the, the strange woman operates through flattery. But verse number 17, she lives in open rejection. Look at verse number 17. Which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. In order for her to forget these things, she had to have known these things. And so there was a point in this strange woman's life, whether in her upbringing or somewhere along the lines, where she, she understood the truth, right? It was given to her. It was expressed to her. She re received it, but then she rejects it. She on purpose forgets it, right? And she, she's no longer operating. She lives in open rejection, she forsakes their, their, their upbringing, the truth that they've been taught. It's amazing. You go to study out a lot of these people that are famous, singers and famous actors and famous, you know, what we'd call idols or superstars. 
in our society, how many of them at some point in their life either grew up in church or someone in their family member was, was, was faithful to church, just like I think it was Katy Perry. Her dad was a Baptist preacher. She grew up singing in church. Beyonce started off singing in church. Right? It was all these other people. They started off in church. They were around the truth, but somewhere along the line, they stepped out of it and said, I don't want that no more. I'm going to do it my own way. I'm gonna, I know what it says, but I don't need that. Right? We often think that rejection is, is somebody sticking their finger in God's face and, and telling them all, but simply saying, I don't want that no more. It's just as much rejection as the first way of doing it. And so we see that in our, in our society and there's people that are going to come to you and they're going to say, listen, I was just like you. Oh, I grew up in church. Oh, I know what it's like to have, to have a preaching daddy. I know what it's like to have a praying mama. I know what it's like to have somebody down your collar all the time. I know what that's like. And let me tell you, the day that I left all that, boy, everything got better. They're doing their lying to you. They're lying to you. But she lives in open rejection. Verses 18 and 19, she only leads in one direction. Verse number 18, for a house inclineth unto death. What does that mean? In essence, it's sloped towards that. Brother Sonny, over there at Vine Branch, his church is 100 and some years old, the building is. And I kid you not, you start at the back of the church, you get to the front of it, it slopes down. Right? It's easy to get an altar there. You just trip. You're there. You roll to the altar. But in essence, what, this, what the Bible tells us tonight is you, you get a hanging around the strange woman. You are on a slippery slope to death, to destruction, to missing out on what God has for you. You know, think it's all downhill. For, sometimes that's not a good thing. Especially when this is your, this is where you are. This is what you, who you're lingering, who you're, who you're allowing into your life because you're not operating in wisdom. She only leads in one direction. It says, uh, she inclines, her house inclineth unto death and her pass unto the dead. Well, that don't sound good either. Look at verse number nine. It's fixing to get worse. None that go unto her return again. Neither take they the hold of the pass of life. In essence, when she's done with you, you're ruined. Your life's a wreck. And you may get back into fellowship. And you may get back into fellowship with God and fellowship with believers. And you may get back into those things. But you won't be able to make up for the time that you lost. Those years are gone. Those days are gone. Those moments are gone. I'm glad tonight that God can restore what the canker worth have eaten. I'm glad that God can bring us back. But I'd also warn you tonight, the, the wise man uh, says, you know what? I don't want to lose that time. I don't want to miss out on that. I'm not going to go that way. I'm going to allow myself to walk in wisdom. Why? Because her path only leads in one direction. And here's the thing. I'm not saying someone's going to knock on your door and they're going to say these things to you, but Satan knows how to whisper to you. Say, Psst, hey, you ain't got to be crazy like that, preacher. Look, 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 all that time he served the Lord. What does he have to show for it? He lives in a single wide trailer. Right? You, you keep doing that, you're going to give yourself into poverty. You keep devoting time to the word of God, you're never going to catch up on your sleep. You're never going to catch up on your television. You're never going to catch up on this. You're going to miss out on life. Really, and all, all they're trying to do is get you in so they can take that very life from you. We see the 
protection of wisdom. It protects us from the evil man and the strange woman. Let me ask you, are you going to let wisdom in so you'll be protected from these people? And notice number two tonight, the provision of wisdom. Well, I thought two points. I could for sure get it in 25 minutes. <laughs> well, I know I ain't preaching tomorrow, amen. <laughs> the provision of wisdom, verses 20 and 22. It says, that thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and the transgressors shall be rooted up out of it, or rooted, up, rooted out of it. Now back in verse 11, remember we said wisdom will give you a plan. Right, so the first part of this plan is, hey, stay away from these people. Don't, don't go near them. Stay away from the evil man. Stay away from the strange woman and what they represent and who they are. But in essence, that's just half of it, right? Because it's anything in the Christian life. You know, it's just in the same sense. No, don't just tell me what you're against, but tell me what you're for. In essence, all right, if I don't stay, okay, I stayed away from them, but what now? What do I do now? In essence, the Christian life isn't just staying away from them, but rather it is learning to walk where we're supposed to walk or going towards where we're supposed to go. So the plan is, yes, stay away, but the plan is also stay get involved. The plan is to go this way. It says, you know, to keep from the wrong crowd, but wisdom also points you to the right crowd. Well, preacher, how in the world can I find the right crowd? Well, find the right path. The right crowd's on the right path. That's pretty deep. But the right crowd's gonna be on the right path. So how do you find the right path? Well, look for the way of good men. Look what it says right there in verse number 20. Thou mayest walk in the way of good men. That word means good, or the good word good means pleasant. The word good means good. I sound like a concordance now. The word good means pleasant, agreeable. They, they, they have a different demeanor about them, right? They are, they are not the soiled Baptist who is, is mad at everybody else in the world who hasn't been blessed in 37 and a half years and tells everybody about it every day. They have a different demeanor about them, right? They, they, they understand they're saved by grace. They understand that Jesus paid their sin out on the cross of Calvary and they have yet to get over that and therefore there's this consistent smile on their face. There's this joy in their heart. Yes, there, there's things in their life and they've got problems. They're not perfect, but they got a different different demeanor about them. They are excited about what God has done for them. They got a different disposition. These are pleasant people to be around, right? They, they, don't, they don't feel guilty or dirty after being around them. I wish to say that you have to go far out into the world to find people that when you sit down and talk to them and afterwards you say, I've never been here in the first place. I know firsthand that sometimes you sit down at the table and you think, my goodness, ain't nothing, we, the spirit of our table ain't nothing different than the lost table next to us. Right, and we see here, but get around good people. Get around people who, who enjoy their salvation. Right, that's one of the reasons why I, I love coming to church because for the most part, as far as I can tell, we all enjoy the fact that we're saved by the grace of God. Right, we have not got over the fact that we ought to be in hell tonight. Our life ought to be ruined in a wreck. We, we haven't got over that, so we enjoy being here. They're pleasant to be around. They're agreeable, right? They're not self-centered. They're not uh, selfish in the sense. They, they're agreeable. They, they will help you any way that they can. So find the way of the good man, right? Find the, those pleasant people. But notice the path of the righteous as well. Look at verse number uh, 20, the path of the righteous, Right, so if we're looking for the right crowd, we've got to find the path of the righteous, the way of the good, the path of the righteous. Are they doing the right things? Not only doing the right things, but they're doing the right heart and the right spirit. Find people who are genuine, who are honest, who are people of integrity. If someone comes to you and says, hey, listen, I'm a Christian and all, but when it's business, 
It's business time. Run far away from them people. Because here's what they're saying. I love money more than anything else. I love money more than anything. I know people that are like that. Listen, I'm a Christian. I'm born again, child of God. But when it comes time down to business, I just, I set that over there and I put on my business face. I understand sometimes business, you got to make tough decisions and you got to make hard decisions. But nowhere in our Bible does God say, all right, when it comes to business, you drop all those characteristics to the side. You take care of business. Sometimes you do have to be stern. Sometimes you do have to be firm, but it's normally out of a heart of love, right? Because you know it's, it's that hard love, but with those people who say, you know what, listen, I know I'm a Christian and all, but I'm, I'm gonna change a few numbers here and there, and I, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm, not, I'm gonna lie to the IRS. They got enough money anyways. Like God's, oh yeah, hey, don't lie except when it comes to IRS. Right, find the people who are honest, who are people of integrity, that aren't two-faced or excuse hypocrisy. Oh, I wish I could say that's only in the pews, in the pulpits. There's men who say, well, well, you know, because I'm called, I can get away with things that other people can't get away with. That's foolishness. Absolute foolishness. Well, find the way of the good man. Find the path of the righteous. So look for the right path. If you're going to find the good people, look for the right path. Seek the ones who are consistent. Seek the ones who are consistent. Look at verse number 21. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. Good always outlasts evil. That's not a comic book thing. That's a biblical thing. Go read the book of Revelation and tell me who wins. <laughs> well, preacher, what is, it ain't no what is, He's going to win. <laughs> right? He's going to win. Go read Revelation and, and, and come ask me who the white horse and, and the four horsemen are and all that wonderful stuff. I'm just going to, who won? Who won? Right, there's interesting stuff to study. And I think you ought to study at the same time and learn about it. But don't ever get to the point where that causes doubt and confusion in your life. Someday you're going to sit down and say, listen, I don't understand all that's going to happen in the book of Revelation. I'm just glad I'm saved. <laughs> I'm glad I'm on the winning side. I'm glad when it's all said and done, I know where I'm going to be at. But we see here tonight that seek the ones who are consistent. Good always outlasts evil. Look for those who have a solid, constant, consistent testimony and learn from them. And learn, learn to ask them questions. Something I've had to learn in my life when I sit down with preachers who have been doing this a lot longer than I have and have great wisdom about them. I've learned, I've, I had to learn just to ask them questions and then be quiet when they talk. We were sitting, I think it was fifth Sunday dinner, we were talking about how we thought we knew all the answers when we were 16 years old. I said, I did. I knew them all when I was 16 years old. And I don't know a single one of them now. <laughs> Amazing how that happens. But find people who, who, who have wisdom that it's evident in their life and just you know, ask them, now don't worship them, right? Don't put them on a pedestal but learn to walk with them and learn to talk with them and learn to learn, learn to learn from them. There you go, there's a deep statement. Verses 21 through 22 speaks about enjoying an inheritance or reward. We see that some stand in while some are cast off and cut off. Now, this was an Old Testament view of the promised land, right? God had promised this land to the children of Israel. If they would just follow him, seek him, obey him, do what he told them to do, then they would enjoy the promised land. And in doing so, in their coming into the promised land, God would cast out those who were not of, of God's people and not willing to trust him and, and follow him. Now, this evening, me and you aren't looking for the promised land. Right? We're not look, waiting to cross over Chile, Jordan, back into the promised land in a physical sense. But we know as a believer, we are looking forward to heaven. Right? That's our ultimate goal. That's where we're going to end up at tonight. And I'd rather just join myself with people who know that's where they're going, are excited about going there, and enjoying it down here until they get there and doing everything they can to get a reward when they get up there. Right, those are the kind of people I want to run with. Those are the kind of people I, I want to walk with and I want to serve with and I want to live with and I want to associate with tonight. 
because those are God's people. So why would you join yourself to those who aren't going there? Right? They, they're not saved by the grace. Why would you join yourself to them and say, you know what, I'm going to walk with them. They're not going to walk towards the Lord. Right? They're going to walk away from him and either going to make a choice. I'm going to follow them or I'm going to follow God. Why would you join yourself to those who aren't going there when you can join yourself to the ones who are and learn to walk with God's people? Are you going to allow wisdom to point you in the right crowd or point you to the right crowd and in the right direction tonight? So applied wisdom, here's what it looks like immediately in your life. It helps you make the choice between wrong and right. I'll go with the evil man and the strange woman or I'll go with the right man and the, the good crowd. The choice is yours. When you pursue wisdom and God begins to grant it to you, you'll be able to step back and say, the wise decision is not to go with them people, but to go with these people because they're heading in the right direction tonight. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,